Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Practicing fear-free has made such a difference in my clinical day-to-day. Dealing with uncomfortable patients with inflammatory skin and ear disease, it's so important that we recognize how to manage cats and dogs in the clinic, which is already a stressful environment, so that we can more appropriately manage their disease, their comfort level, but also that relationship with their owner. Why is it important to consider fear-free techniques? Well, of course, we want to get an appropriate diagnosis, which will be really difficult for us to do if we can't get a full dermatologic exam done. We also want to foster that long-term relationship with the pet, the client, and sometimes that takes time. We don't always figure out exactly how to manage a pet in the clinic on that first exam. Sometimes it is trialing things. Sometimes it's adding in pre-visit pharmaceuticals. So we want to preserve that long-term relationship. We obviously are in the business of rechecks in dermatology. So in order to manage the disease, we have to make sure we're seeing them. And by making sure we know how to make them more comfortable in the clinic, the owner of the pet, that's going to allow us to get those rechecks in. And then, of course, client comfort. Remember that it's stressful for clients in the clinic if they see their pets, you know, getting nervous, acting out. And so we want to make sure that they are not so stressed coming into the clinic because we are using techniques that are showing we care, that we're trying to not stress out their pet. Remember, there's lots of things that can be fearful about dermatology. These pets are coming in paritic. And if you're touching them, they're scratching, they're uncomfortable, that's going to exacerbate a lot of their behavior. Some of these patients are painful, especially think about some of the deep draining ulcerative dermatitis we may see, or those really painful stenotic ulcerative ear canals. Um, You know, odor obviously can affect things. And then the appearance for owners, if their pets come in, they have a bad appearance, they can feel judged, and that can make them feel stressed and fearful in the clinic. If we look at the pet, what are the things in a dermatology exam that can be fearful to that pet? Obviously, physical touch, right? A lot of these pets are really sensitive to their paws, their ears being touched because they're so used to that inflammatory stimulation and pain that they're really resistant to it. It's so common for us to hear even owners say, oh, they hate their paws being touched. And they don't make the correlation that they hate their paws being touched because they've been walking with inflamed paws and uncomfortable paws for a long time and they have learned behavior. Manipulation. When we are examining these pets in the clinic, we're picking up their feet. We're trying to look at their abdomen. So maybe we need them, you know, rolled over in lateral recumbency. Otoscopic exam is obviously very uncomfortable, especially if you're not um, experienced at doing otoscopic exams, because if you don't know to pull that ear up and out, you can hit the junction of the horizontal and vertical canal, and that can be very uncomfortable. But even for someone experienced like myself who does otoscope exams all the time, if that's a painful ear or they have a history of a lot of otitis, 
The pet just learns. I don't like my ears being messed with. And then finally, diagnostics. You might not think cytology, skin scrapings, trichograms are really a scary thing. But again, you're taking uncomfortable inflamed skin. You're trying to pinch it, rub it onto a slide. You know, you might be taking a scalpel blade and trying to get a deep skin scrape. So we know a lot of these things can be really uncomfortable for pets. And they're tests that we often have to repeat and do a lot of. You know, looking at kind of behaviors of dogs that truly have atopic dermatitis, there was a study in um, Jaha in 2022, so just last year, that looked at 142 atopic dogs, talked to owners that completed a behavioral survey and a PVAS, which is that itch scale. And what they saw, there's a significant increase in fear and anxiety related behaviors and aggression compared to a control group that didn't have a high PVAS score. So really recognizing early these behavior issues are associated with chronic paritic skin disease is so important. I've had many patients where when there's disease is not managed, they come in uncomfortable, um, scared, even trying to be aggressive. And then as we treat that disease process and use fear-free techniques, I've had them go from lunging at me when I walk into a room to eventually curling up on my lap. So it is just really, really important that we recognize that the atopic behavior, the paritic behavior can exacerbate some of that stress and behavior that they can show us. Remember the risk of us not being able to do a complete exam if we do not utilize fear-free techniques and these pets and owners are scared. The risk being an incomplete exam so we don't get the right diagnosis. We don't pick up on things like pyoderma or malassezia because we can't get a cytology sample The owner can also look into alternative sources. So they make it to the point where they say, hey, you know, you're not doing the test. You're not um, being able to look at my pet because you're not trying these different techniques. So I'm going to go to someone else or I'm going to look online or go to a non-medical source. If they don't see that progress and us being able to handle their pet in the clinic, then they're not going to want to do the rechecks. And if we don't follow up with these patients, especially those with infectious diseases, we run the risk of incomplete resolution, resistant infections, owners discontinuing medications, and then ultimately owners getting very, very frustrated, which we already know we deal with a lot of frustrating things. So we want to make sure that we are not having our actual exam or how we're handling the pet being one of them. There's so many different steps in the journey of a dermatologic exam that we can utilize fear-free techniques in order to make it more comfortable. Even starting with scheduling the appointment, having, you know, your CSRs, your assistance technicians ask, like, how does your pet do in the veterinary clinic? Have they previously been prescribed, you know, trazodone, gabapentin prior to their exam? You know, are they dog aggressive? If we know these things ahead of time, then we can accommodate owners, get, you know, have them call when they get there so we can make sure the lobby's cleared. We can get them in a room right away. We have a separate um, room that's a bit off to the side and not near the busier hallway. So we'll put really sound sensitive, really fearful animals in that room if we know ahead of time. We'll prep our exam room. So making sure everything that we can do in the exam room is there. So slides, scalpel blades, mineral oil, swabs, otoscope um, cones, the otoscope itself. So we have all in in there so we can try to maximize 
doing as much in the room as possible because we know that, you know, not every pet because they're all different, but a lot of them are much more comfortable being with their owner in the room. And then obviously educating ourselves on how to do the dermatologic exam and then setting future expectations. So let's break each of these down a little bit. So scheduling the appointment, again, streamline that process. Ask the owner. It's very simple. Ask the owner. Get records if they've seen a previous veterinarian so you can see if there's any indications of what's been helpful, what has not gone well. You can do things like music therapy. So, you know, we have um, like classical music that plays in our lobby. Um, We try to follow the research that actually shows some of the music that can be soothing to animals. You don't want to be like pounding, you know, hard. I love hard rock. We don't be pounding hard rock when animals come in that are fearful. You know, we ask about pre-visit pharmaceuticals. We look in the record, make sure they know, yes, please give it if that's something that helps your pet. And then having a dermatology intake form. So because dermatology has such an extensive history, if you have owners fill out a form ahead of time that can really pinpoint information, you can get quicker so that you are able to kind of guide your conversation in a more streamlined way. We talked about prepping the exam room. So typical supplies we have in our drawers, glass slides, mineral oil, scalpel blades, flea combs, cotton-tipped applicators or Q-tips, clear tape if you're going to do tape preps, toothpicks if you're going to do cloth fold cytology, culturettes. Um, you know, we will give cytopoint injections in the room. We will collect labs in the room if it's more comfortable for the pet. Um, We have a lot of treats. So treats are huge. Of course, we deal with a lot of food allergies. So we have lots of different hypoallergenic treats. Um, Like we have little tubes of them all in the room that are labeled and we'll ask the owners what that pet is on. So if there is a confirmed food allergy, we can try to utilize our hypoallergenic food. Or if the owner can bring their own treats that they know the pet likes and can tolerate, we can have them bring that as well. We also use pheromone diffusers. So we'll have sprayed bandanas for dogs with a daptil. Um, we'll spray towels and put them over carriers for cats. But we have the actual diffusers in each exam room as well so that we can try to provide those pheromones to hopefully be more soothing. Um, we have more slippery floors in our clinic. Obviously, they're easier to clean. Um, but it can be slippery. So we have non-slip yoga mats and towels that we use for traction on our exam room tables and on the floors. And then having things like lick mats that you can put canned food, spray cheese or nut butter um, so they, they can lick those while you're examining them. Always communicate with the owner when you're doing the Durham exam. What has worked, whether it's the location of the exam. So I have examined pets on the floor, even if they're small because they're more comfortable. I do them on the exam room table. I have done them on the bench. I have done them in the owner's lap, like whatever works for them. You want to begin with less sensitive areas. So we start on the truncal area. You don't want to just pick up a paw if it's a pet who's very uncomfortable. You want to um, start with less sensitive areas like the trunk and then use the touch gradient where you kind of have constant touch on them. It's more fearful for a pet if you're releasing touch, touch, releasing touch, touch. You want to have that touch gradient, kind of like a horse. You think about always touching them and letting them know where you are. Same concept. And again, trying to collect those diagnostics with the owner present. Do the least invasive stuff first and work up to the more invasive stuff. 
You know, so if you're going to do something like cytology and skin scrape, I'd probably start with cytology and then move to skin scrape. So a lot of pets who are fearful, skin scraping is a bit more uncomfortable for them. If their ears are really uncomfortable, I might look at everything else first and then go to the ears knowing that their you know, bandwidth might be not as high once we kind of hit that um, section where they're uncomfortable. Now, this really depends on the pet because I also sometimes have really fearful pets where if any part of the exam it's going to be very stressful for them. We might need to focus on the thing that's problematic first because we are limited time overall. So as you get more experience, you kind of learn what works with that particular patient. I would also say for the dermatologic exam, two really important things. One, sedation is your friend. <laughs> I have lots of patients. I've had a lot of ear cases lately where we're trying to go in there. They're screaming. They're uncomfortable. They're painful. I can't get a good look. You know, as long as it's not contraindicated and that pet, um, you know, has minimal risk with sedation, we use a lot of sedation so that we can more appropriately collect samples, be less stressful for the pet, be able to look into areas that are maybe more uncomfortable for them. You also have to know a want versus a need. So there are certain situations where I'd really, really want to do certain things but I have to know what is truly something I need in that situation versus want. So like, I love looking in every single case's ear, but if I know that pet is coming in for a mass, uh, you know, on a foot or an infected paw, I'd love to look in the ear, but if that pet is stressed and I don't necessarily need it compared to focusing on that paw, then I'm going to prioritize that. So that's where you really gain with experience knowing, you know, do we want to start with the less the area that's um, less sensitive and work our way into the more uncomfortable thing last? Or are we in such a stressful situation, we just need to get the need section done in that particular exam and we might not get to everything. I also like to set future expectations. So keep an emotional record. If something works or doesn't work, you have to write it down. You know, we see lots of cases in our exam room. We cannot remember every single thing about every single patient. Keep an emotional record. Write it down. Try to discuss the treatment plan and check out as much as you can in the exam room. The lobby is a very intimidating place for a lot of pets. There's in and out through the front door. People are checking out. Phones are ringing. So if you can try to do as much in the exam room, that's going to be really helpful. Forward work the recheck exam. So it's on the books when the owners leave. So they know the importance of a recheck. It doesn't slip their mind and that we can follow up with them appropriately. I also really like to make sure that owners know we're trying to set the expectation of even if things look great, don't cancel your recheck. We want also happy rechecks. You know, not only do I want to make sure I see a pet and that they're well controlled, their infection's gone, things like that, but also if that pet's only coming to see me when they're completely infected and uncomfortable and ouchy, I'm going to start being a negative experience for that pet every single time. So I tell owners is I want those happy rechecks, one, so I know our plan is working, but two, so also your pet learns that they see me besides the times when they are very uncomfortable, ouchy, painful. So we can have those happy rechecks for you know numerous reasons that can be beneficial. And then just some specific things with cats, because we've all had the last second cancellation because the owner couldn't catch the cat. Make sure that your cat owners are getting appropriate carriers. 
you know, we see all sorts of different types of carriers. We want to be able to remove the top easily. We don't want to be scruffing cats and yanking them out if they don't want to come out of their carrier. We want to be able to remove the top, either examine them within the carrier or be able to take them out of the carrier without dragging them out. Have owners desensitized to the carrier. So you want to make sure that the carrier is not just out when a scary thing like the vet happens, like just have it out in the open, even when nothing's happening. Train owners to carry the carrier from the bottom. Cats don't like to just feel like they're swinging everywhere. They want to feel supported. Make sure owners know about things like feel away, um, that they can spray the towels from home with feel away, drape it over so they have those pheromones going before they walk in the door. If a cat likes to hide, give them hiding places. We'll let them hide their face during the exam. The owner can put little toys at their as their favorite in the room, or sorry, in the carrier. I've had cats who come with emotional support cat buddies. So two cats come in the carrier because it makes the one I'm supposed to examine more comfortable. I'm totally fine with that. If that's kind of their security blanket, that's okay. And just remember, as with creating a treatment plan for your patients, dermatology is not cookie cutter. Same goes for fear-free techniques for these patients. Because what works for one patient may not work for the other. And sometimes we do have to take time actually trying different things, making sure that we can come up with solutions, that we don't give up because, you know, we had one or two stressful events. What can we do to make it better? Do we need sedation? Do we need pre-visit pharmaceuticals? Is it the way we were holding the pet? Would they do better in the room of the the owner? Are they protective of the owner? They're less stressful away. All of these things are very independent for each particular unique pet and each unique owner. And then there's great resources out there even for the owners. So I direct owners a lot to the client-facing fear-free website that has a lot of free resources of things that they can do and educate at home. So fearfreehappyhomes.com is a website that I often give out to give them techniques that they can utilize to make it easier for them at home, but also give them techniques that can be used so they're not so concerned coming to us than the veterinary clinic. We want to set them up for success on all aspects of their pet's anxiety um, so that we can not only have happier pets, happier owners, but then have them trust us that we are really trying to help them and not just giving up on the anxiety their pet has or having them come into the clinic because it is so important that we see these pets often and we want owners on the same team with us. So it's just been really awesome since I've become peer free certified, really learned about this, kind of changed my practice to really work with them, vocalize with the owner, you know, let's come up with a plan, let's write down what works, let's remember what works. And it's amazing how much owners really appreciate that. So I hope you are able to consider either getting peer free certified, there's also feline friendly, there's lots of different ways to educate yourself on these techniques that are going to make it more comfortable and fulfilling for your practice.